This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuelu. And I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. And I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. To help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. What I want to do today is just kind of share some of our stories about where, where we came from, some of our backgrounds, and kind of how, where we ended up, you know, or how we ended up in our churches. So this is, we, as we said, one of the reasons we're coming together to do this is because we are both in our first lead roles, right? We are both in, uh, in churches that are revitalization projects um, and, and established churches. Both of our churches have rich histories. Um, and so I think with that to say, um, that's what we have in common, but again, our backstories of how we got here are actually very different. So um, so yeah, just, so do you want to go first, TJ, or should I jump in with how I got here? Well, I mean, <clears throat> it doesn't matter to me. I guess if we went chronologically, as I'm now viewing the Bible, because I'm going through the story, I guess that would <laughs> yeah. leave room for you. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that you can kind of say is we've also, even though we've never worked and served in ministry together on the same team ultimately we're in the same team but like we still came from the same our last stops prior to becoming this was both cloverdale was was the same position exactly yeah yeah which again is how we got connected because so again and that's master right we we both have worked at cloverdale church of god but not at the same time right so yeah so cloverdale is was a again a church in boise idaho that we both worked at on staff i was at that church for um for just under 14 years total. Um, it was my first full-time youth position was when I, I went to Cloverdale right out of college. Um, and I was the youth pastor there for, for 13 years, just over 13 years. And, um, and I just, and that again, just, you know, um, so that's my backstory. My ministry experience, right. Is being, is in youth ministry. Um, and then I moved to an associate pastor role at Cloverdale. And so, and we hired a new youth pastor there and I moved, moved offices and moved chairs um, and, you know, roles on that staff. Um, and then, so I was in that associate role and that was the role that we shared because you took my place when I left. Right. Uh, we need that bit, but yeah, so I was in that position. Uh, these were going really well, like I said, even into that and six months into that job change. So uh, Oregon Trail came to me and and said, "Hey, we we're looking for a new pastor. I just had a new start. We think you might be good. Uh, we would like you to apply." And I very quickly said, "No, thank you. I'm not interested." Um, and so that that definitely was um, was a time, you know. As, and again, I didn't know a lot about Oregon Trail at that point. We were in again in the same kind of there. So Oregon Trail's on the other end of the metro area of Boise than where Cloverdale is. So again, similar community, but yet, but different, very different makeups as far as the demographic that's in that area of our valley. And again, the, you know, the history of the churches was very different. And so, 
Um, again, I, I, I knew about Oregon Trail and I knew about some of the, the problems they had had and, and that they were, you know, had come on hard times. Um, but so, but beyond that, I didn't know a lot about the church and they didn't know really me very much either. Um, like I said, there was one of the people on the, the hiring committee came and, and just said, Hey, we, we think you might be good. And um, so like I said, I said, no. And, but they asked me if I would at least pray about it before I completely rejected them. So I said, yeah, of course I will, I'll agree to that. I'm a pastor, right? Like, I guess I had maybe have to do that. Um, so, so I, I, I remember I went home that day and I talked to my wife, Maureen, and I was like, Hey, I had this weird conversation today. I was like, Oregon trail, you know, what wants me to think about being their first lead pastor. And she looked at me and I'll never forget this. She looked at me, she's like, why would we do that? And I was like, I, I don't think we would. I was like, I told him no. And she was like, good. I'm glad. Cause I'm not moving. And so I was like, okay, well, obviously we'll see how far this goes. But I, again, I told her, I was like, well, but I, I told her I would at least pray about it before I completely rejected it. And she's like, that's fine. You go ahead and pray, but um, I'm not moving. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's great. Um, so I started praying, but yeah, and obviously we ended up coming to Oregon Trail, right? So, it, it, I mean, you know, we, we all have been down this road with God before when he just throws us a curveball. And Again, it was something that I was not looking for. That that, um, and, and again, I I I I at that point had result. I knew in my heart that I was going to be a lead pastor someday, um, but again, I didn't think it would be that soon or or at Oregon Trail. I mean, that was and again, it was not something I was looking for at all. Um, but as soon as I started praying, a couple of weeks after that, I went back to to Maureen. I said, "Hey, I, I think you need to start praying too." Um, cause this just isn't going away. Like, you know, and, uh, and she, she responded, she was like, yeah, I'll, I will pray. She's like, pray that God gets this out of your head. And I was like, I was like, you pray however you need to pray. Uh, you know, but we need to, but I, I need you to pray. And so, and then I remember when I was sitting, we were sitting in service at Cloverdale and that, that was one of the things when I moved roles there, right. You know, I went from the number one speaker on the youth stage and I was, I was preaching every week to the youth kids. Um, and then in switching roles, I moved to the number two speaker on the main stage. And that I, I had no idea how much that was going to mess with me and, and how much I really loved speaking and teaching every week. Uh, and but and so just, just the fact I was just sitting in church listening to the to the senior pastor preach, you know, with my wife was, was a very different thing for us. Um, but I mean, literally in the middle of service, she leads over and whispers in my ear. I think you need to put your name in Oregon Trail. And I was just like, what are you, like, where are you coming from? Like, and what have you done with my wife? Because you, this is a 180 degree shift, right? And, um, but so anyway, like I said, then we just, we started. So we did, right? we, we put, we officially put our name in the, in the, in the, in the bucket at Oregon Trail and, um, and just kind of started working through the, the interview process there. And, uh, and again, it started, you know, then obviously we ended up coming. And I think that, so it ended up where literally my hire date on that associate role to my hire date at Oregon Trail was exactly one year. Um, and so, which, and you see that again, when we, when I took the, that role at, at Cloverdale, I had no idea that that's what I was going to do. Um, and so, but again, now that we've been here and I realized that, uh, you know, I mean, I think I realized pretty quickly when I got to Oregon Trail that I, I was, I was a lot more ready for that lead role than I thought I was. Um, and, you know, and again, but I also went back to speaking every week and, and that was, that was one of the things that I just, again, I just, it's still a favorite part of my job. And so, um, something that has been really great. So that was in July, 2015 was when, um, we, I guess sold our house, moved over uh, to the other end of our metro area, 
is what probably about 30 miles down the down the freeway right and um i don't know is it that far i, I think um they yeah, yeah about that right neighborhood but um and so yeah and like i said we we just jumped in in a new place and again and it was it was a culture shock for us like i said again cloverdale is a pretty big church uh we went you know i was one of six full-time pastors there at that point you know and then moved on to being the you know kind of the the only guy on staff right and so that that was definitely different um you know it was a culture shock for my family i mean we went from again in a large church context to uh, you know, I remember the, the, the Sunday I candidated at Oregon Trail, my kids literally doubled the kids' apartment. Um, and, you know, that was that was definitely an interesting experience just for us as a family. Um, but but that's how our journey started um, and at Oregon Trail. And, and like I said, we kind of, it, it, in a lot of ways, felt like we just jumped off the cliff and wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, but, but, you know, we just, yeah, then we started just the the project here and just, you know, seeking God on what, what he wanted for us and for the church. And, um, so and, and again, we can, and we can talk about just the process of where we started there, but, but so I left Cloverdale in July, 2015 and which started where you think you were then hired at Cloverdale, right. Um, because I left an open position there. So I guess that's really where your story starts. Yeah. And, and maybe even before we transition there, I think you said a couple of key things I don't want to just gloss over real quick. Um, one of the things that I think is unique about your story in the sense of really knowing and desire and God placing this on your heart um, that I want to highlight there was that you felt that prompting to be a lead pastor at some point. And so you didn't even know exactly, you, you knew what that meant in the context of what you were serving, but you yeah. didn't know completely and you just alluded to the fact that like I didn't even know how prepared technically I totally was for that position and so maybe I think for some people that are going through that maybe they're struggling because they're first-time lead pastors maybe they're the youth pastor that you just described that's been there for 13 plus years what is that part at least from your testimony where you really felt God calling you into that was that that moment when you felt like man, I need to be uh, shepherding and, and teaching, be a teaching pastor. And you didn't have that anymore. And that really felt like, man, this void, this is where I'm called. This is what I have to do. Um, this is where I'm equipped. Where was that turning point for you that you felt that prompting? Yeah, well, you know, for me, honestly, again, being in youth ministry as long as I was, and again, I, I had been in it from literally from the day I graduated high school. I mean, I was a student leader as as you know, as a high school student, went into college, I served in several different churches through internships and volunteer roles and, and things in youth ministry all through my college years. And then, you know, again, and then stepped into my first full-time paid role right at Cloverdale. And I literally, my entire youth ministry career was, was played out there. And I think in that I was in youth ministry long enough to where I was one of the veterans, you know, in, in the youth ministry world. And I think that was, um, Again, moving moving on from that, I think that was a way harder transition for me uh, of said taking off that youth ministry hat and stepping into the associate role. Like as far as as just my identity and like and and you know again realizing how much I had put myself into that identity of youth ministry and that that was my area. And and again, and the whole time I was there, I like I did it thinking I was going to be a lifer in youth ministry, um, you know, and and just with the expectation that that was going to be my career. 
Um, and I was fine with that. And in fact, but as I looked at that, look back at that, then when God said, no, you know what, this season is done for you, um, that it really messed with, with my heart and my mind and my identity and like, I, you know, everything that I had built, built there. Um, and which again, which I didn't even know that I had done, you know, like there's all, I mean, you always tell it, you know, oh, don't wrap your identity into your role or into your job or, into, you know, and, and, and I, I guess that was a big deal for me to realize that I had in, in fact done that uh, more than I thought I did. Um, so that, that was a lot harder transition for me moving out of youth ministry to that associate role. And even through that, being on that team, you know, that hiring team to hire my replacement. And like, literally that was, you know, that was again, an, an emotional roller coaster. Um, right. So, and, and I think part of, you know, your history, because I know some of that, that is there too, is it's like family dynamics, right? Like you inherit these things that is kind of your culture until you set forth uh, to either, accept them as your norm or you set forth to change them you know like if your dad was absent and you say man i don't want to have that in my life i desire to be present in my kid's life and you change that trajectory which takes time effort intentionality and all those things i think one of the backstories was uh you know we also had kind of a commonality was just up the road from cloverdale which was 10 mile uh, and you had Pastor Day, right? Like he's there. Yeah. And he's, when you talk about being a lifer, um, here's a guy that, you know, we both know my kids went there for, uh, for childcare. And you have this part where it's like, I mean, he served for over 30 years in, in youth ministry yeah. and they went through having another lead pastor and it didn't work out. And then finally he accepted that calling to step into that role just in the last couple of years. But I think, again, that was, when you say that, I don't think that that's just um, lip service or something that, I think that was something that was modeled to you and it was healthy. And so I get that perspective of, well, why change it, right? Like it wasn't yeah. even like, from a, like that example I gave of a dad of being absent. It wasn't like, okay, I need to change this. It was actually successful. He built a great program, um, had people. And I mean, even at 13 years, you got there and there's kids that are going out of the program that you you know, we're like 18, that you almost have a chance to see their kids come back into the program. I mean, yeah. you're at that part in youth, that's a, you're starting to see generations. So that's, man, that's admirable. So yeah, I think that those parts were, I didn't want to just gloss over those because I think. Yeah, that no, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, you, you know, but again, I think, and that's one of the questions that I've got a lot from, from a lot of different people was like, okay, so how did you know you were done in youth ministry? Right. And, and like I said, cause I mean, up until the, the, you know, that, that transition, like I said, I, I didn't think I would ever transition out of youth ministry. Um, but I, and I just realized though, and I think for me within my own heart, what, what really started to show for me was again, I, I mean, I, I never stopped loving being with the kids. And I think, you know, again, I, I, and that's even what kept me going. And as I look back, even the last year or, or year and a half, it even kept me in it as long as it did was because I, I loved the relationships. I loved being with teenagers. I loved seeing the light bulbs come on in their heads and their hearts. And I'd love, you know, like just hang And like I said, I loved those stories and, you know, the legacy that had been built there. Um, and, you know, I, I always joke, I was like, I, yeah, you know, that you're, you've been in youth ministry a long time when, um, when, you and former youth students are both picking up your kids from daycare at the same time. Right. And, 
and, and literally, I mean, I had that experience at different times, right? And like former students, if we're in my youth group, we're now, you know, picking up their kids when I'm picking up my kids, you know? And, um, but to say it though, that, but it was, it was part of that transition. I loved kids. And even from the, even after, like, that was the biggest, the hardest part of walking away from it was, you know, was not hanging out with teenagers. And, and I just, I mean, I just loved that. But what really started to see me was, um, you know, was there were, as behind the scenes, the day to day of the job was stuff that just all of a sudden, as things I really loved doing started to feel tedious. Um, started to be, you know, the attitude of like whether it was planning summer camp or, you know, planning out the, you know, Wednesday night youth group stuff or, you know, games or like whatever. And again, and I, I mean, I built a really good system of interns and student leaders and kind of all that. A lot of that work was being done by teams and and in that, but yeah, it just became like things that was I used to find joy in and just the day of the job just became like um you know hard to to trudge through and like that that was what you know and again just that feeling of like this is just not what I'm supposed to be doing anymore mm-hmm. um but like I said that um and again and, and it was just the, the just God's prompting and I think you know that again I think it's that concept right of like God was just kind of making me uncomfortable in the nest to get me to jump out and like, and, um, you know, because he, he was ready to, to move me into, into something new. And like, and I, I mean, I pushed back, you know, on it. Um, and like I say, and, and, and it goes in my mind, I'm thinking like, no, it's because it's, it's all, it's always been about the kids and the teenagers and them falling up with Jesus. And it's still about that. And so and I can still, you know, and it was still about that. Um, but, you know, but now I look back that, I mean, literally we, I mean, Maureen and I both, we still have, um, close relationships with a lot of our former students and, and I think there's um you know in fact I mean literally my youth director at our church now Oregon Trail is one of my former students um you know who came up through our program and so like I mean those relationships never went away even though you know my I mean my role changed and you know so and you know a new person came in into that is the youth pastor and those kind of things but like but again like we still have those connections and like some of those you know, I mean, we we have lifelong connections with a lot of those students that that were a part of our ministry. Um, but at the same time, I think I look at that like so. Once I made that transition, like so, moving out of the associate role to the lead pastor role was a lot easier step, you know, for me. Um, and like I said because I'd already just accepted, I think, the fact that okay, Lord, like you know better than I do. I'm excited, you know, I am going to submit to your will in my life, and and even if it's something I'm not looking for, I'm still going to be obedient. Right, and move, and again, it, it wasn't easy, um, and it was still, you know, emotionally hard and spiritually hard. But, but at the same time, right, like, but that's what God does. That's what the gospel does to us all the time. Is it challenges us, you know, to continue to move forward and to grow and to be able to fulfill everything that God needs us to do. Um, it, you know, again, whether you're, I, I mean, a, a professional ministry pastor or just a, just a church leader, right? Like that. That's what God does. Is He stretches us. Right, and continues to mold us into more of what he needs us to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to pick back up in the story where we were, so you exited uh, in summer of 15, and we came um, right at the cusp of uh, the new year. So there was about a six-month vacancy. So we showed up in town, uh, I believe, somewhere about January or February of 16. And in that, that was a leap year. And subsequently, uh, we left on a leap year, which was the 20th, uh, you know, last year um, in February. 
So I guess to rewind that a little bit, my context with uh, ministry. So we started out doing more parachurch ministry, um, suicide prevention and youth outreaches in local schools and stuff like that. Uh, and we started that, I started that right about uh, 05. Um, and then my wife joined me, we worked there for a little bit. And then we quickly moved to Vancouver Church in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, both of us had functioning roles. She worked for the learning center for the kids. And then I was a high school Bible teacher and uh, just kind of really started to do a lot of different ministry there at the campus, the Church of God for Vancouver. And slowly but surely, things started to move. And Ben Schuler left to take the uh, national job with Jim Lyon in Anderson. And that was probably, gosh, about six plus years ago now, because um, he's in his second term. So he was able to jump in and do that well, on his way out. Uh, Don Doe was our senior pastor and Ben Schuler. They kind of said, hey, um, we feel like you're the next guy to take on the missions and associate role. And for me, uh, missions and associate uh, made a lot of sense as well, felt comfortable from being the Bible teacher, because one of the things that I had instilled in our kids was um, service hours to where they were engaging with the community and doing local outreach. And so that made it there. And then as far as foreign outreach or global outreach, as they say, um, I didn't have to look very far because my dad's from American Samoa and missionaries came over to the island and um, convinced my grandfather to send him to the States to go to college. And uh, he came here and he met my mom and never went back. And so, uh, you know, for me, if it wasn't for people stepping out in faith and going where they were called, I wouldn't be here. So it wasn't a very big stretch for me to engage both globally and locally on that front um, as we were reaching kids through evangelism and the suicide prevention. Then we transitioned into helping the community as a Bible teacher and global as it was. And so Vancouver had uh, for a long time a rich history of doing outreach um, in Tanzania. They were the first church in the Church of God to send out a fully funded missionary from one place when they sent the Armstrongs to Africa. And so they had some really cool things and the buy-in factor was huge in what they were doing. And so we served there in that capacity for um, probably about two years in total, but about a year into that, we had uh, Pastor Doe felt called to leave and, and step down as the senior pastor, and he ended up going to Arizona and subsequently uh, becoming state pastor and helping in different areas down there. And I remember before he left, he was like, uh, someday you're going to be a senior pastor. And I was like, that's no, like, I don't want to be, I like what I do. This is awesome. Um, but he said, well, beyond that, there's a church that's looking for a senior pastor down in Arizona, and I think you should go. And in fact, you're going to preach next Sunday, and um, this is going to be kind of your, your scouting uh, tape. And I was like, what? Wait, hold on. And so kind of like, I think, reluctant in your behalf as well, kind of just when it was presented to me, honestly, I went through the process of kind of kicking and screaming a little bit. But I submitted to God's will as well and just kind of said, God, if you have this uh, for me, then, then we'll do it. And uh, so we went through the process, uh, candidated all the way down to the final two people 
um, which created another uh, really cool relationship with a guy that now is going to the field to serve in Madrid, Spain by the name of Nate Tatman. And uh, we were the final two for that position. And for some crazy reason, they decided that we should be their people. And, uh, you know, I was supposed to be instilled in Easter. Uh, so that would have been 15 about when you were getting ready to trans out, transition out. And we just, again, we didn't have Pastor Doe anymore. We didn't have some people. So we didn't feel like we could leave. But what it did was it did create the spot in our heart where we knew that we could be lead pastors. A new filter had been presented of, oh, wow, the impact. And um, not only the requirements, but the gifts that you could utilize in that capacity were there and they were presented to us. So going back to where I left off in the story, uh, we, you know, that's April. Uh, by about August, we got that new lead pastor at Vancouver. And by like September, November, I knew I was on my way out, which then began the conversations with Cloverdale going there, replacing you as the uh, lead associate and uh, taking on those roles. And we were there for four years. And then finally, kind of in that same vein that you were talking is things became uncomfortable. Not from the standpoint of that they, the same things that I once loved became a little bit more of a chore or task. It became this, uh, the way that maybe I can describe it is it felt like I was being a poor steward of my gifts. And so I felt like this really difficult internal struggle of like, I was not using my abilities to the best that I could. Now, was it comfortable? You use the term nest of being pushed out. I think that's intentional, right? Because at least it is in my testimony, my personal life is could I have stayed at Cloverdale for a lot longer and, and just, yeah, absolutely. But it was that part where I think it had to be uncomfortable for me to even consider it, you know, to be, um, you know, we, we've crossed the Red Sea. Uh, let's not start murmuring as the people did and say, let's go back. At least we knew what we had. Um, and it was just that progression. And we, you know, as pastors, we encourage people to take that next step, like you said, all the time in growth. And this was no different. And so we kind of did that. And uh, so we started the process here uh, in Seattle, which was not just down the road of 30 miles. It was quite a bit of a jump. And I think culture-wise, it's completely different uh, than Boise. And I like that, the big city part of it, but there's also a lot of hardship that comes with that. Um, the opportunity to do ministry is plentiful. But the ways that we can engage um, in a post-Christian, very liberal element is so different. Uh, and so, again, that speaks to what we we're talking about a little bit later is you have to be adaptable and you have to be flexible um, so that you don't break, for one thing, but also that you can also be utilized. Because I think if you hold on to something so tight... Uh, or you say it has to be this way, you really put a limit on God and what he can do in and through you. And so I think that's been one of the things that I've had to learn, especially in taking this. So we got here in February uh, and we had about three weeks before the pandemic hit. And if you think back to the pandemic, one of our sister cities here, um, a suburb of Seattle is Kirkland. And that was the first documented death in the United States when COVID kind of came to fruition, or at least we were able to identify uh, outbreaks and that it 
did indeed wasn't here in the States. And so, uh, yeah, so my world got flipped upside down. So everything that I thought, you know, or modeled that I wanted to implement kind of went out the window and it became uh, this part. And, you know, I was telling this to some of our elders, there was an opportunity where you can say in those times and impasses in life, you can say, well, I have a lot of excuses and, and people do, we do this. It's in our human nature. We make it a crutch. We name it, it becomes a pet and it lives with us. But I think Christ desires for us to lay it at the foot of the cross. And that's what he did on that cross was that we don't have to carry these burdens with us. And so um, we found ways to lean in during this last year of ministry. Um, and I think that's been one of the greatest things for us is kind of just preparing our hearts, preparing our minds for what may come our way and just being adaptable so that we can step into that gap and meet people at their point of need. And so, yeah, that's kind of the quick, uh, I know that was long-winded, but yet still quick of, you know, fast forwarding through the last 15 years of my life uh, in, in overview of, of ministry and how that's taken its place. So, you know, anywhere from like you, youth uh, and parachurch ministry to youth as Bible teacher and stuff like that. Um, and what I would say along the way, I rejected youth as a youth pastor piece, like even harder than I did as a senior pastor, probably, um, because I interviewed with Vancouver. Uh, I probably missed that part as a youth pastor two separate times. And they asked me and I was just like, I don't think that's me. And so I said no to the youth pastor twice and then end up being the Bible teacher at the high school. So the joke's on me. Um, but, you know, just never in a capacity in my role um, was never the youth pastor, although I had a lot of youth experience and working with them. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you know, I think as we, again, as I listen to your story, and I think, you know, there's some interesting parallels. And I think in that, even though we ended up, you know, again, I mean, literally you moved into my whole office, right? I mean, you know, as, as we take that and, and again, we, you know, and I think we became instant friends and I think not just because we, we were, had served in the same role and we obviously knew a lot of the same people, um, but too, just because we, I mean, we both enjoy to play golf. And so we played golf together quite a bit. And so, but, uh, but it, just to say that, I think to see again, to just highlights of what I hear in your story is I think there was that, that moment though, where just God starts stirring your heart and where, where maybe there's something that you, you kind of know you should do, but it's for whatever reason, there's anxiety or there's unknowns or, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, it's just as we, God starts to make us uncomfortable. But I, I remember again, even in my journey and just as you mentioned it kind of straight out in yours, is that there's that place when you know what you need to do. And then you need to move forward and take the step that God's opening the door for you to take. And I think, and again, it just reminds me of James 4, 17, right? Where again, that verse literally says for anybody who knows what the good they ought to do and doesn't do it is in sin. Right. And again, there's that moment, right? When God, when God does stir and God moves and, and shows you kind of what that next step is. And at that point is when we need to be obedient, even if it's uncomfortable, even when it's scary, even though we see that, right? Because God does have a bigger plan than he even lets us know about, um, you know, and I'm sure he has wisdom and why he doesn't tell us the whole plan from the beginning, right? And, and kind of those things, but again, yeah, but just seeing again in, in your story, and, and I remember those times, again, in my journey too, when it's like, okay, okay, Lord, I know, Right. And so now it's time, it's time to take the next step. Yeah. 
and I mean, like I said, I, what we've been teaching at the church has been the, uh, the story. And so we're early on week two. So we we just talked about Abram and then God tells him, you know, I'm going to make this great nation. And, and where do we go? And, uh, you know, tells him to leave where he'd been 75 years in Haran and he's sending him to Canaan. And, um, you know, so we look at those different parts and he tells him to go and he doesn't even know where he's going. At least we had the, the possibility there to, to know where we are, are heading. But, you know, there in Genesis, it's just kind of, you know, it's like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's, let's take these things and, and let's make a, a part. So I think for me, looking back at that, God does things uh, and he uses them, right? Romans 8, 28 uses all things for those that are called. And, and I think for me, had I not gone through that difficult thing that I was kind of kicking and screaming about four years prior in, in Phoenix, I would have never taken Seattle serious. And I wouldn't have known um, the context or the significance at which I was trying to step into. And I wouldn't have, uh, like, I wouldn't have done that in a, in a spot where I said, like, God, please use me, you know, like, and I don't, I don't desire to step into this role if there is uh, not a potential to do it. I've been down that road. I don't want to do it. Like, don't, don't make yeah. it so. And so I think really going through that really, like you said, there's affirming moments, like not only when you step forward, but there's moments like you alluded to where Marine like whispers, you need to put your name in. Um, and me in this last year, like I said, it's been difficult. Um, I had to go back and reflect on certain things, like even when they did a vote, small church that we started out, right? Like um, 42 people and they allowed someone to cast a vote from a, uh, a hospital bed because they were in a hospital bed. And so wow. like they weren't present, but they got to proxy. It's not in the uh, bylaws, but they, <laughs> they made an exception on that for her. And um, yeah, cause she was on the search committee and, and she wanted to be there and she had an emergency surgery. And so they allowed that, but um, 42 to zero, you know, said, we want you to be our next pastor. And so I think even when life happens, even when people get frustrated and we're broken, or even when people have probably been irritated at me of like, well, why did we do this? Or why were we shut down because of COVID? Or, you know, I have to look back at those faithful moments of where God showed up. And those have been the things that have helped sustain me. Um, because if I didn't take note of those things, and if I didn't remember uh, his faithfulness along the way, um, even though I'm putting the armor on every day, man, uh, in the time of what, what Satan's allowed in this is isolation, and that's when he can do some of his best deception, right? We see that. And so for me to remember, again, those moments, not only when you came to faith and your faith walked, but also those moments where God has placed you in ministry and equipped and empowered you to do more. I think you have to go back to those moments because when, you know, as you surf, uh, you get, you wipe out, you get put in this kind of like riptide or whirlpool. And it's like at a moment where you feel like, I don't even know what's up, what's down. And sometimes you feel like you might not even have enough air. All of a sudden you surface and you can get this breath of air. Um, I think, you know, having that and knowing where you rely. And those have been some of the biggest uh you know, windfalls for me or perspective moments that I have to remember during this time. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it's just really interesting when you talk about that in those moments, 
Because again, when when we and we were still even as we went through the process, I mean, we felt like God was moving, but there was still that question for us too of like, man, does Oregon Trail really want us? Is this really where God, what God wants? Is God moving them the way He's moving us? And and you know, again, just uh, and I remember too, my vote to be brought in right was was sixty four to zero, right? And um, you know, and again, and I, I remember even talking with some people and so even some people from the church, and as I got to know a few people through that, and they're like. We, do, we don't know where these 64 people came from. We haven't seen 64 people on a Sunday in like so long, right? And, and like that. So, but again, just seeing that there are, there are those moments, right? Where like God just shows up and he just confirms things, right? And, and again, but yet, but there's way more moments leading up to that moment, right? That you're just like, really, Lord, I don't, am I doing the right thing? Like, this doesn't seem right. Are you sure? You know, and, and again, but then God just, like I said, shows up and just confirms, you know, some of those things in those moments. And especially then as we start and we can kind of pick up there in our next episode, but so now what do we do now? We're there now we're in our lead pastor roles, but now what? And like, and again, you already alluded that you stepped into just a, a whirlwind, probably harder context than anybody could ever step into, you know, being there just a couple weeks before, you know, you're shut down. I mean, which was, you know, for where most pastors had never dealt with that before. I say, even as we were shut down again, I'd been here, right. Five years and I'd never dealt with that before. Right. And I'm kind of like, now what do we do? Like, how do we navigate this? And again, I can't imagine that happening in the first month that I was here. So, yeah. um, you know, again, I, I think that's where we got, but again, that's kind of the theme of our podcast, right. Is that we're, we're here. Uh, we were both called into these roles in existing churches that needed re- needed revitalization, and and again, as you see that, obviously, right? Like my, I'm like you said, I'm a couple steps ahead of you in this process with Oregon Trail and where you're at with Fairview. But um, but again, in, in a lot of ways, just what we see today, like our journeys have been very similar in a lot of ways. And so, but again, that's just I think the encouragement I just want to leave with everybody as we wrap up this episode, right? And is just no matter where you are, no matter what you're feeling, God is calling you towards something. He has something for you to fulfill, right? And that God, whether he's making you uncomfortable or he's confirming you're taking the right steps, you need to be faithful to what God is calling you to do and be obedient and move forward. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's it, right? You you touched on it. If there is another sediment is being communication, right? in any relationship that you're in. And so don't find yourself, especially we should never do this in in ministry where we're relying on our own talents, but know that you have those moments where you can hear the still small voice of what God is speaking to you. And I think that's intentional because I think when I look at that or when I hear that as imagery, I think things get so loud in these times of chaos that they're screaming at us. Everything's inundating us and pushing at us from a loudness standpoint but God is so close and he's got his arm around you that that still small voices, he can whisper to you. And that's how you know he's with you if you are able to quiet that out and to hear him. So, yeah, I appreciate it. And I mean, I hope that this is an encouragement for some people, at least, um, you know, it, it's what God has shown up in our lives and he's made a difference. And apart from him, uh, yeah, we would totally totally mess this thing up and still probably do from time to time but his grace is uh more than sufficient at least on my behalf and um you know yeah as we jot down and do things and what's next man yeah we who would have anticipated you come to a church and you don't even have uh, an online presence or you don't have these things and now you're left with you can't meet in person right so a lot of stuff to cover a lot of things to uh unpack 
But how do you how do you make that difference? How do you be the hands and feet of Christ to a community that is also dealing with this in a different way? Acts 2028. 20, so guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 20, podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We would love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts2028Podcast or send us an email at Acts2028Podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 as we serve in the established church.